You are listening to Sparking Wholeness with Erin Carey, where we talk about all things related to nutrition for mind, body, and soul. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, everybody, it's Erin Carey, and welcome back to Sparking Wholeness today. I am so excited to introduce you guys to Caroline Lamont. She is actually, well, she was my mastermind facilitator with the School of Applied Functional Medicine. She has so much wisdom to offer, but she herself is a holistic health coach with IIN, Institute for Integrative Nutrition. She's also a certified autoimmune paleo coach, a functional medicine practitioner with the School of Applied Functional Medicine. She is a leader with SAFM. She supports new functional medicine practitioners like me during their studies. She combines health coaching, functional medicine, and her knowledge of essential oils as well to help clients control the immune response that's causing their conditions, reduce inflammation in their bodies, and minimize pain and discomfort that inflammation causes. So we're going to touch on a whole host of things, but first, Caroline, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. Yeah. Now tell everybody where you're from and what your background is, because I know all of my American friends are going to be going, what is that accent? It's wonderful. We could listen to her all day. (laughs) Yes. So I'm originally from France. I was born near Paris um, in the suburbs of Paris and in Versailles, um, where we have a very famous palace. I think you have a palace of Versailles in Kentucky, actually, funnily enough, but <laughs> it's not quite that. as grand, not quite as grand as uh, as the one in Versailles, France. Um, so that's where I'm from. Um, but I've been in the UK for close to 26 years now. Um, I turned up here with my two suitcases when I was 19 to go to university. I was studying business management. Um, and I never left. And I now have a Scottish husband and I have oh. uh, two English kids, um, <laughs> self-proclaimed English, my Scottish husband and and and, and myself. We, uh, we're kind of like, no, you're not English, but obviously they are. So there, there you are. That's my short introduction. I love that. Well, you know, when I did my 23 and me, it showed up Scottish, English, and French and German. Oh, so fantastic. we're basically family. Yes, exactly. <laughs> somehow. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but yeah. Okay. So you are, I mean, you're well-versed in so much functional in the functional medicine world and especially in the autoimmune world. So I know yep. we can talk a lot about that, mm-hmm. but with your French culture background, yeah. you can approach things with a kind of a, a different view and a different perspective. And I'd love to talk yeah. a little bit about French culture and health and what they get right that maybe we could learn from. Yeah, sure. I mean, it's really interesting, obviously, because with all the training we're doing with SAFM, you know, we talk a lot about food because obviously nutrition is a massive topic um, and so important for health. And there are quite a lot of things in you know, the food culture in America, which um, we know are actually really damaging for um, for health. And and a lot of what we're learning, a lot of what we're learning as really good practice are actually pretty natural, you know, culturally pretty natural things that we do in France. So um, we do sit down for meals. Um, it's very rare. I mean, things are changing, right? Um, we are definitely seeing some challenges around obesity and and fast food and all of that but generally people still sit down for lunch 
Um, it's very rare, even during the week at lunchtime, that people will eat at their desks. They will go to a canteen or they will go to a restaurant. Um, either their companies will provide a, a canteen with uh, a three or four course meal, which is subsidized and usually really good value, or they'll provide tickets for people to go to the restaurant. So again, subsidized. And some people, if they're clo- they live close by, they will even go home for lunch so there is still that culture of we take an hour for lunch even in the kind of corporate world at fast pace then when I worked in corporate I loved going to French uh, meetings in France because um, we would break we would always break for lunch and they would bring us those platters that would have like like a, a four course meal in a meeting so wow. you'd get a starter a main a kind of cheese-based, dairy-based kind of course, and then pudding. (laughs) And that was your standard in a meeting, you know? And I don't know exactly um, how, well, I know how it is because I have traveled to America for, you know, for business. It's either we don't eat at lunch or we have like, you know, dozens of pizzas delivered and there's not a vegetable in sight and we just (laughs) shove, shove down three slices of pizza, you know, in 15 minutes with, you know, a massive can of, you know, a can of drink or or whatever, mm-hmm. and back we go to work or into the meeting. And that's, you know, so that's that's the culture, even even within work. And then within families, families sit down for dinner, the still. Now it does mean one thing, which is often for young children, well, when children are very young, families tend to have dinner earlier or the children will have dinner before uh, their parents come home from work. Just because in France, again, there's quite a late culture. People come home quite late, you know, 7.30, 8 o'clock at night. But often families will wait, you know, children will wait for their parents to be home f- mm. uh, from work to have dinner. So even during the week, you would sit down for dinner uh, in the kitchen, you know, um, I mean, sometimes there are TVs in in that room, but often, most often not, um, you know, and families talk and, you know, spend time together. And, you know, it's not, you know, it's not going to be like a two hour meal, obviously, uh, that's reserved for weekends and very mm-hmm. special occasion. But certainly for um, during the week, it'll, you know, we'll all sit down together for dinner for like 20 minutes. Um, and that's something that I do with my family. We, yeah. you know, we we definitely do that um, nearly every night. I mean, a treat for my for my kids is to have TV dinner. Um, yeah. that's, like, that's a big treat. But we don't really let them do that because they forget to eat and they, you know, mm. and yeah. So, but occasionally I'm like, okay, fine, we can have TV dinner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, that's that's fascinating. I, I think about just the length of meals and the, during the day, like you said, like most people, and I know I'm guilty of this as well. And you were the first person to tell me about the book, The Slowdown Diet, which was yes. completely transformative. And I recommend it to yeah. so many people. But yeah. most of us, we just rush through, well, people eat breakfast on the go in their car on the way to work. Right. And then sit down at a desk and probably sit down at their desk to eat as well through whatever they're working through. There's very little movement to and from a restaurant anyway, or to and from wherever they're eating to and from the office, all of it, right. No movement. It's just drive, sit down, stay sitting, go home, maybe plop down in front of the TV or maybe like, you know, I I know what's really popular at my stage of life is kids are on the go too with sports practices and things like that. And so now the kids are eating in the car on the way to the sports practice, or maybe 
in the car on the way home. It's just rush, 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 rush all the time. Yeah. Yeah. How is that impacting health? Well, on loads of different levels, I think it's quite in in terms of the food itself. Um, the fact that we're rushing means um, several things. Our digestion will likely be impaired because we're not chewing enough. We're rushing through that meal, uh, probably taking huge bites and swallowing loads of water or or drink to kind of make sure it goes down because actually <laughs> you know, it's it was too big in the first place and then we haven't chewed it properly the body hasn't got time to recognize that you've eaten as well so so if you if you rush too much your meal you're likely to actually overeat so there's definitely a lot of that and i think you know so that's that's one thing from a from a kind of nutritional perspective i think the other thing is also it sends the wrong signal to especially to children that you know, food is functional. Food is only about not feeling hungry when mm. actually food is so much more. You know, food is a social occasion. It's it's a moment that we share together. It's a, you know, food is, is it's nutrition. It's not just about not feeling hungry. It's about mm-hmm. getting everything that we need um, for our health, for our, you know, physical health, mental health, etc. And so, yeah, I think, you know, and, and the other thing, and the Slow Down Diet book that you've mentioned, which I love, I think it's fantastic. I I love how he talks about the pleasure that we need to get from food, because mm. being French, I obviously, you know, culturally, food is really important and we want to yeah. enjoy food, right? And and I kind of always thought, well, maybe that's just to make things a bit happier or it's just, you know, it's just because it's nice or whatever. But actually it goes way beyond that because when we enjoy our food, we are much more able to get uh, nutrients from it. And mm. so, yeah, in the book, he talks about an experiment done on rats who uh, some rats couldn't taste their food. They kind of cut off a nerve in their brain, which is not you know, uh, great from a, you know, animal rights perspective, but we learned a lot from it. And, um, and it showed that the rats who couldn't taste their food died of starvation within a few weeks. Um, Mm. So for me, this was like, wow, enjoying our food goes way beyond kind of enjoying a nice moment or, you know, kind of hedonistic pursuit. It's, it's, it's actually critical to our health. Um, so yeah, so loads and loads of positives when it comes to enjoying the food, um, slowing down, spending time with the family, you know, talking to each other, you know, if you think of it, if you, if you spend the time doing that, you're kind of ticking so many boxes when it comes to health, you're ticking the box of nutrition, obviously you're ticking the box of slowing down and putting yourself in a parasympathetic nervous system. Mm -hmm. You're ticking the box of relationships, which we know is so important for mental Mm -hmm. health and even physical health, but certainly for mental health, you know, uh, community is so important. So um, so yeah, so I think the power of food is is not just what we put in our mouth. It goes way beyond that. Yeah, that's so true. And I love the way that you give all of those different elements that play a role in just the eating experience, because we don't do that. And if we do, I mean, 
a lot of people are just going to Chili's and just shoveling down whatever they can because they're so stressed out during the rest of the week that they're just getting the most highly palatable, ultra processed things that have been formulated to hit the bliss point, right? Hijack the neurotransmitters and then do it all over again the next week. And that's, that's the rotation. That's the cycle. Yeah. 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 No, absolutely. And, you know, and I think, I think we should enjoy our food 100%. But I think, like you said, you know, the foods that we eat are so modified in a way to create this dopamine kick, you know, this kind of pleasure. Mm -hmm. Um, And our taste buds are completely, completely changed by all these foods. So we are, you know, we need those foods really hard in sugar and salt and flavorings and all sorts in order to be able to taste something but you know retraining the taste buds it doesn't actually take that long and um and it's an, a, a really important thing to do um it's really important and it's really important to do with children as well um yes. i think you know children are so used to you know they don't know what real food tastes like because the stuff they eat is so covered in you know flavorings and chemicals and stuff yeah Mm -hmm. so yeah so it's like we've got to find that balance right of enjoying but Mm -hmm. then there are a lot of things allowed into our food supply here in the U.S. that I believe they've really cracked down on in Europe right like different colors different I don't know um, if MSG is allowed over there, we have a big problem with MSG, which completely, I can feel it when I have food with MSG yeah. in it, I know that it's there because I cannot yeah. stop eating whatever it is, even without yeah. looking at the label. Um, so I don't know if you guys have yeah. that or different artificial flavors. I think MSG, MSG, we still have, okay. I think, uh, definitely loads of colorings have been banned. Right. Uh, I think there is one color that hasn't been banned, but mm-hmm. most colors have been banned. And now, even when you look at like a uh, sweet package of uh, candy packaging, um, a lot of the, f- the, the coloring comes from turmeric and beetroot and okay. so they kind of use that, that kind of coloring, which I suppose is slightly better. Um, I mean, it's still sugar, right? But you know, mm-hmm. um, it's a slight, slightly improved version, I suppose. You know, and don't get me wrong, like my kids do have candy from time to time. Mm-hmm. I think we also need to be measured in how we manage that relationship yeah. with food for sure. But but it's yeah, it has to be measured. You know, it has to be um, a treat and not something, not a daily or, you know, occurrence. Um, so, yeah, fl- uh, coloring, flavorings, we definitely have had um, a lot of changes. And, you know, when you compare the packaging of, you know, cereal brands from Europe with the US, we definitely have a list of ingredients, which is far shorter. So there is a slight, you know, a slight advantage in Europe. I mean, some people um, say it's the state is to all the states, I should say, because it's more than one country, but are too controlling. But um, I think it is a little bit more uh, supportive of you know, well, not supportive of health necessarily, but certainly it's encouraging slightly better practices from food manufacturers. But but there's still, you know, we still have a lot of issues. Um, and for sure, 
you know, obesity is growing really fast. I was going to ask about that. Yeah. I mean, in this natural movement, still part of life, like, you know, we usually hear again, I could, I could be going just for misconceptions, but you know, we're told over here that, oh, in Europe, people walk more places and movement is more just like part of daily life than it is yeah. here, here. We're just like, oh, I'll go to the gym for 30, 45 minutes and I'm done for the whole day. Um, yeah. but is that still part of the culture? Yeah, I think we, we probably still have a little bit more, uh, but I think it depends where people live. So mm. Um, in cities, for sure, people people walk more, um, and we have generally good public transport, uh, which means people can get out and about without their cars. I was reading a, a while back, and that was before my functional medicine um, uh, years, but there was um, there was a phenomenon which they compared to kind of what's happening in the US, where in in suburbs in in Europe, what you're finding is you're finding that people people are walking less because mm. because everything's a little bit further, right? I I have dozens of shops and restaurants within 10, 15 minute walk from mm. me, right? Because I live in the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if if it's you know, longer than that, it's just not, it's just not feasible. Like, or it would be a a day outing to go Mm -hmm. out somewhere. So people take their cars. Um, So there is definitely for people living more in suburbia, um, there is more, you know, more of that phenomenon. And actually they did compare in the article, they did talk about the fact that that was creating possibly more kind of uh, challenges around weight, et cetera. But in schools, children don't, I don't think children move more than in America. I mean, primary okay. primary and secondary school, they get about three hours of uh, PE a week. A week. Wow. Okay. So that's probably about the same. Yeah. It's about the same. I think it's, no, it's not enough. Mm -hmm. Um, I think in primary school, children still play a lot and, and run around and move a lot, but I can already, you know, I can see even in my, my daughter's um, primary school, she's now in the uh, second to final year. So next year she'll be in her, her final year, which I think is year is it year five for you guys? fifth grade for us. Or yeah. fifth grade, mm-hmm. yeah. So mm-hmm. it's it's year six for us. And I can see definitely from year four onwards, I would say, the weight creeping up on some children. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably because they move less, because mm-hmm. they play differently and, you know, and they eat differently mm-hmm. and, you know, all of that stuff. So, yeah, yeah. It, is, it is creeping up. Uh, Things for are changing. Sure. Yeah. yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. And in in going back to, you know, the discussion on French culture and like Mm -hmm. you said, the longer meal times and all of that, what would you say has been the biggest, I don't know, for you as a mom, as a person, like the the thing that's been your biggest takeaway that you want to continue to implement for yourself? Oh, you mentioned the family dinners. What else really stands out to you? Um, Cooking, Mm. Um, cooking from scratch. you know, I learned to cook very young with my mom. I was baking from the age of five. Um, I was probably, I, I can't remember the first time I cooked my own meal or, you know, food. I don't know, but savory food, like not cakes. Mm-hmm, right. I, remember, I was young. I was, I was young. I was, you know, I, I can't have been more than eight or nine. Um, and, you know, today my son cooks for himself and he's, 
12. I mean, he'll often cook breakfast for us during the weekend. Um, he'll cook a full meal for us. Wow. Um, yeah, he just loves cooking. And my little girl is now asking as well, she's like, can you teach me how to cook? So I think the culture of cooking is still quite big. Again, it's changing. And I think it also depends of the background the families come from. Mm -hmm. I think in lower socioeconomic groups, mm -hmm. this is changing. Yeah. Um, you know, but I, you know, I mean, we cook with ingredients from scratch. We try to buy organic as much as possible. Um, which I know is not affordable for a lot of people, which also drives me crazy. But that's another, you know, that's another debate altogether. Um, but it just drives me nuts when I hear people always say healthy food is expensive. Yeah. Because the reality is, even if it's not organically grown, you know, vegetables are always better than pizza or kind of ready meals or, or whatever. And people will still buy the stuff that, you know, is in a can or, you know, this, I don't know if you have that in America, but spaghetti hoops and stuff, you know, it's like right. those yeah. cans of oh, spaghetti uh -huh. with tomato sauce or whatever. And yeah, I mean, obviously, I don't know, cauliflower might be, well, I don't know these days because, you know, inflation has been so high, but a cauliflower might be pound fifty, which is what, a couple of dollars or something. And obviously those cans are... I don't know, 55 or 70p or something. So, mm -hmm. yes, technically it is cheaper, but there's so little nutrition in those things right. and so much sugar and salt and, mm -hmm. you know, got ingredients that really should not be in a kitchen. Um, and then you're not satiated. Yeah. So then you need yeah. more. So it does that. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, I think cooking for sure, you know, sitting down for a meal together fresh ingredients seasonality i mean mm -hmm. i the uk possibly like in the us you can find strawberries at christmas you can find asparagus at right. christmas you can people don't know the season of things in this country yeah whereas in france you do you know, and like my mom's like, no, no, I'm not buying strawberries in April because they come from Spain and they're not nice, right? Funny people know. I mean, obviously, you can find unripened strawberries from Spain in March in France, but my mom refuses to buy them because they don't taste nice, and she's right, they don't taste nice because they're picked unripe so that they can be transported. And they don't arrive to destination completely mushed up. Right. Right. So my mom will go to the market and will buy the fruit that is in season that has been picked that morning yeah. at the farm. And and it tastes delicious because it's fresh. It's, you know, it's just come from the field. So that yeah, the market, the shopping is still can be still quite different, you know supermarkets obviously are dominating but we also have mm -hmm. markets mm -hmm. i mean french markets are just beautiful mm -hmm. um, you know so so that's really nice but yeah seasonality of produce you know the other day we went to france for my niece's communion and my mom was like oh i cooked you i've um we're having asparagus as a starter and i was so happy because we still have some because it's the end of the season <laughs> and that's it that's it. Once it's not in season anymore, that's it. You don't find asparagus in France. Wow. So the season is about six weeks. 
And there is excitement when it's, you know, the first asparagus are coming to the market. There is excitement. So, yeah, it's, you know, I think that's another thing that we are losing in the UK. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure in America is the seasonality. People have no idea. Yeah. Oh, no. I still, like, I have to Google what's in season if I want to eat yeah. seasonally, right? Like, yeah. I, like I, I've kind of started figuring it out and I'll be real, especially with my kids. I'm real yeah. sensitive to the load the kids are dealing with these days, you know? And yeah. so fall and winter, we do a lot of apples because yeah. I know that that's going to be probably what their gut digests best during that yeah. season. And yeah. it's, it's something that, and same thing with, you know, the, the starches, the vegetable starches and all the things that are plentiful and those times like that, that's important. That's how our ancestors ate, you know, yeah. Um, yeah, absolutely. my ancestors that were probably similar. So, yeah. I <laughs> but yeah, tell me a little bit. I do want to touch on, you know, you do focus a lot on autoimmunity and that is a yeah. growing, I would consider it an epidemic all yes. over all over and not just in the U S although we yeah. are plagued with all sorts of health issues, but you're yeah. seeing that where you live as well. So yeah, talk a little bit about maybe your personal experience, why it's a yeah. passion of yours. So obviously, sadly for me, I fell into this because I have got an autoimmune disease. I've got rheumatoid arthritis and I also had Guillain-Barre syndrome, um, mm-hmm which took me to hospital for six weeks when my little boy was 18 months. Now, with Guillain-Barre syndrome, thankfully, it's one that you recover from. Generally, you may have lasting side effects, but not in my case. But yeah, what I'm suffering from is rheumatoid arthritis, which has been a journey. And obviously, you know, the route that was offered to me by doctors was medication. And and they said, well, you're going to take medication for the rest of your life. And this is what I started with. I wasn't getting any better. Um, Actually, uh, most of the medications were not working for me. And eventually found a medication that did, which was a one of a biologics, um, which is no better than the traditional medication. It is just slightly more targeted, but it it's an immunosuppressant. So it mm-hmm. suppresses your immune system. And kind of the medication helped a little bit, but there was also a lot of other things happening. And I kind of, I knew already, I was already gluten and dairy free at that point. I kind of knew that food was was helping um, or, or cutting out certain foods was helping me, but I wasn't getting much better. So I went to a nutritionist who specializes in autoimmunity and he got me to read the Walls Protocol, uh, Dr. Walls, who has written a fantastic book on uh, multiple sclerosis um, and put herself in remission. Um, yeah. I'm sure you've spoken about it on your podcast. So I read her book and quite frankly, I was horrified. Um, you know, I was exhausted from my condition. I had a young child uh, or two at that point. I had two young children under the age of five. And I was like, how the hell am I going to do this mm-hmm. diet? Like, There is no way it is so crazy. Anyway, one weekend, my husband went away and he he was traveling for the weekend and for work. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to cook a few of the, I didn't, at that point, I was like, I'm not going to think about all the stuff I need to cut out. I thought of mm-hmm. all the things that I could eat. Yep. And actually, I was like, oh, well, actually, I can make a really nice salad and have some grilled chicken with it or prawns or something. I can't remember. But anyway, I cooked that way for three days. Um, whilst my husband was away 
And I kid you not, in three days, my pain went, my pain went from a seven or eight out of 10 to maybe a three. Wow. Three days. And it was, yeah, in three days, it was extraordinary. I mean, I was like, wow, this is, this is really something. And so that was my journey that started in 2016. So I discovered the power of nutrition when it comes to inflammation and autoimmunity and, you know, and all of that. Um, And that's when I kind of, I decided that I wanted to do this as a job because to me, it was complete madness that we have this knowledge, right? I mean, Dr. Walls is one book out of dozens, if not hundreds of books on autoimmunity and the impact of food and other things, right? It's not just food, but, but, but certainly food plays a very big role. You know, there are dozens, if not, you know, more, more books than that. And I was like, this is total madness that this is not offered as an option mm-hmm. or at least talked about. And I was like, I want to train in this. I want to help people. I, I already knew nutrition was something I was interested in. I, mm-hmm. I kind of did did think in my early 30s, I, I kind of want to do something with that. Um, but I didn't have the guts. Um, I was too scared of going without an income, want training, etc. Anyway, I eventually I did it. But I, it took me another 10 years and it took me to get sick to uh, to get there. Um, but I did it. And for me, it's just, yeah, I just think there is a real problem today in how we handle um, our health and how our health system manages um, chronic disease. Because the, you know, autoimmunity alongside type 2 diabetes, um, you know, mental health, uh, even cancer, you know, all of these things we know are chronic conditions where lifestyle choices play a huge role. They might, it might not be the only thing. Obviously, there's, you know, it's very complex, but it plays a huge role. And therefore, it plays a huge role in the resolution of these. And it doesn't get talked about. Mm-hmm. And you experienced real results yourself. I mean, yeah. that's the thing too. This isn't like, you know, those of us who get it usually have personal experience with mm. it and it saw the benefits. And it's not yeah. just like, well, I read a paper on it and it looks great, but no, like this is, this is real life for you. And I think yeah, that that's it's so real powerful. life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's personal. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think all of us, I mean, I, I don't think I've met anybody who has studied with us at SAFM who has not got a personal story yeah. behind why they're there. Mm-hmm. It might be them. It might be a very close uh, family member, but everybody has got a, a story behind why they're there. And I think that's why we're so passionate about what we do is because we know the potential. We absolutely do know the potential now it was not an easy road um and i did have loads of ups and downs i did go back on medications a a couple of Mm -hmm. times uh you know i i really because it's hard it's really hard and i get it you know i completely understand sometimes you do need the medication and the medication can be what you need in the short term once you get yourself better because the medications you know they do work and they are powerful but they don't 
they don't resolve anything and therefore you might feel better but at some point the medication will stop working yeah. um, it, it is inevitable right. um, and therefore what do you do then well you go on another medication and then you damage potentially another part of your body or another you know so you resolve something there but then you create another problem somewhere else and that's you know that's the problem so so yeah so my stories are you know I went back on medication and etc and eventually last year I decided to do completely without uh, because I understood a lot more about what was going on Mm -hmm. with me yeah, decided to to do completely without, um, which came with a huge, huge flare. Um, I got really unwell, and it's been a very long journey to get back, um, to get back to health. I think I'm really getting there. Um, I have to say, I was very tested. Um, I had some times when I really thought I was crazy, and. I wasn't going to be able to achieve or to be where I am now. And I am here. I'm doing really well. Um, I've still got probably another year to get myself back to where I was physically. Uh, Mentally, my brain's back, uh, which I'm really happy about. Um, But uh, physically, there's, there's quite a lot of damage was done in those kind of eight months when I was really poorly. Um, But that's fine. I, you know, um, it's fine I'm you know now that it's working it's giving me a lot of hope a lot of motivation and mm-hmm. uh, and also a lot more hope and ambition for my clients who come and work with me Absolutely. because I, I know what's possible yeah even at the darkest of time I know it's possible so absolutely yeah and then even thinking through like blending what we talked about at the beginning with that enjoyment principle of food, even when you have to be restrictive, that's something that you have had to personally implement as well, right? Because it can feel so limiting. And of course that stress of, Oh, I can't have this, like can make things seem worse, but I know that you like to view it from a different lens. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, you know, I think that's the thing when you start reading those books, whether it's Dr. Walls or, you know, another book, um, in the topic, um, a lot of what uh, we talk about in autoimmune diets, if I can call them that, is um, is that we take away a lot of foods because of the potential they have for inflammation or sensitivity, which would send the immune system in a kind of uh, override, if you like. Um, and so you take those foods out. And a lot of those foods are staples in people's diet. And so if you tell them, right, you're going to cut out wheat and you're going to cut out rice and you're going to cut out you know dairy you know milk and ice cream and you know cheese and things people go and autoimmune protocol you cut out nightshades which is tomatoes and potatoes you know things that we eat all the time um people just go wow what am i going to eat and and yeah i can understand that because a i've been there and b this is a lot of what people have in the diet um so that scares a lot of people off and people think, oh, my God, I'm never going to enjoy food again. I'm, you know, I'm going to eat boiled or steamed broccoli and grilled chicken for the rest of my life. And I don't like that. And, you know, I, I like it, but not every day. Obviously, I get that. So you kind of, you know, these these are the thoughts that go through people's heads. And the reality is it couldn't be further from the truth because you can, you you know, there are a lot of alternatives 
Um, you can totally enjoy your food. There is so much that you can um, you can cook. Um, it's just a learning process. You're learning new things. And that is scary. It doesn't matter what, you know, whether it's an elimination diet or learning a new exercise regime or learning a new language. It is hard. It's hard work. It demands focus and attention and 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 learning. And, you know, in the day-to-day when you're sick and you're having to deal with family and everything, that is a challenge. So I, I completely get that. But you 100% can enjoy an elimination diet um totally possible so yeah i think your perspective is healthy and and helpful because it can feel so defeating when you're in it um and i we talked you know a little bit before we started recording i'm about to crack down on some things for myself just because i know where my health is right now after a period of lots of stress and what it's done to my physical body, but I wasn't in a place where I felt ready to make the changes I needed to make because I had to get through the emotional stress of things first and work through that mental stuff first, right. And work through the emotions. And now I feel like, okay, my body feels ready to heal physically. Absolutely. And I think, you know, um, people resist going down that route sometimes, even if they read the success stories and they understand the potential, they resist it because they see the changes as too big and impossible. And and quite frankly, this is where people like us, health coaches, this is the power and this is what we bring is we bring a lot of you know, we make it a lot easier. We make it a lot more uh, achievable because we help with the process. But it's really interesting. I'm going to share a story of my one of my clients who's now she's on her fifth month. We've we've been working together for five months. And when I had my first call with her, she said to me, she said, "I hate cooking. My husband does all the cooking." Um, I don't have lunch. I eat biscuits because I'm always too busy. I don't, you know, I just don't have time. And I was like, Jesus, this is going to be hard. But I was like, she was determined. She was like, something's got to change because I'm really poorly, really, really poorly. And I know I have to change. So she knew she had to change. Five months on, she cooks every day. She plans all her meals her symptoms have gone from 150 something, 152 to 42. So that's a 69% drop. She said to me, symptoms she's had her whole life have disappeared. Um, And she feels so much better. And she said to me, she said, you know, I've spoken about you and what we're doing together with some friends who are really poorly and I've said they should contact you and 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 ask for your help she said but they keep telling me that they couldn't do what I do because it's too hard and I was like but they see the end results after five months right and yeah those changes don't happen overnight it, it you know it's a gradual process um, but people don't see that you know they see the end results Yes, she's feeling fantastic, but they're seeing what she's eating and they go, I, I could never do that. I, I'm not strong like you. I don't mm. know if anybody has said that to you personally. Oh, yeah. Yeah. People say that to me all the time. I couldn't do what you do. I'm not strong like you. I'm like, that's bullshit. Sorry, I shouldn't swear. Yeah, you're good. <laughs> um, you know, I'm not strong. I'm just, I've learned. It's been a process. It's been a, 
a journey. I would talk about, you know, this is such a jargon term, but it is 100% a journey. It is. And five months, like most people aren't sticking around for five months to no. get those effects. That's the other thing. Yeah. Like yeah. it's sometimes it's hard enough for me to get people back for three, four sessions because yeah. it's still, they're just not ready. They're just not there yet. And, and I do think as health coaches, I mean, that's where, uh, for, I, I know for me, I'm always having to tailor, like, am I throwing too much on people at one time? Because I believe in it and I believe in them, but they don't yet, yeah. you know, and that's tricky. Yeah. That's a big yeah. part of it. No, absolutely. Absolutely. But gradual changes and taking it slow. And yes, you kind of have the big goal in sight, but you also need to focus on day, you know, day one, day one, mm. day two, day three, and then and then it becomes week one, week two, week three, and then right. months one, two, three, you know, mm-hmm. and but it adds up. It, it, it does. It's, it's really incredible, really incredible. So, and the enjoyment of food, it has to happen 100% uh, because it's so important. And it really can happen. Like, you know, I do, I bake cakes, I bake biscuits, I, you know, I make sauces. I, you know, I mean, there's loads of stuff like food, food is not boring, um, even on an elimination diet. So, Mm -hmm. um, and I like, you know, a lot of my clients say, they say, thank you. Like we've never eaten so well. I love that. Oh, that's so, that's so encouraging and it is helpful. I know that's something it's a, it's something a lot of people are struggling with. So let me ask you um, my favorite question asked. It's the last question. And that is, you know, the name of the show is sparking wholeness. So if you could give one piece of advice to spark someone toward wholeness, what would it be? Take it slow, take it slow because actually slow wins the race always. 100%. And I work with a nutritionist and and, and a medical herbalist. She does several different things. And she's been in practice for 25 years. She's treated very, very sick people. And this is what she said to me. She said, slow wins the race every time. And she she warned me about a year ago, uh, you know, it'd been one year I'd been seeing her and I, I was getting results, but it was slow. It was so slow. And I was like, when am I going to get better? When am I going to get better? And she said two to three years. So I was on year one. I'm on now year two. And in the past four or five weeks, my progress has been phenomenal. And so now um, I'm, I know, I know I've got probably, yeah, I probably got one more year of really hard focus work, but slow wins the race and everything else comes along on that journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. That's, that's oh, such a hard reminder, but a good reminder. So where yeah. can people tell people your website and where they can learn more about you and what you do? Uh, so my website is great in great out. Um, it's a little play on, um, uh, when I worked in advertising, we always talked about rubbish in, rubbish out, or garbage in, garbage out, I think mm-hmm. you say in America. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, <laughs> so yeah, great in, great out. Um, and I'm on Instagram as well. Um, I think I'm now under Caroline Lamont Health Coach. Um, this is probably where I do most of my stuff, although I haven't done a lot of social media, but I'm getting back into it. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, just kind of, you know, come and hang, hang around. I, I'm getting back into cooking because I feel so well. And mm. so 
I post more stuff on food, which I love. Yay. Yeah, that's uh, exciting. Yeah, because that is that's exciting. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much for being on. And this was a, so just a discussion. We'll have to probably have to do it again because I know there's so much more that we could talk about. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's a long topic, long topic, mm-hmm. so many things. Yeah. So, okay. Well, thanks again. Thank you so much for having me. The tiniest spark leads to the biggest blaze. And I hope that today's episode sparks you on a journey to healing and wholeness. Thanks for listening to Sparking Wholeness. For more information on what I do and my coaching programs, or maybe just to reach out and say, hey, find me at sparkingwholeness.com or on Instagram at sparkingwholeness. Have a fabulous week.